Hey everyone, this is Claudia Reyes, a contributor of Soul Magazine, and welcome to episode number 40 of In the Spray Room, our podcast where we talk to some of the best and brightest artists working on the streets today. For our daily online content, check us out on soulmagny.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and YouTube at Soul Mag. Today's crew consists of myself, Bike Girl. Hello. Christy. Hello. And Brooklyn's own Big Ronnie. We have a lot to talk about today, everyone. And before we introduce today's special guests, Big Ronnie, tell us what's going on. Well, love is in the air. It's almost Valentine's Day. And fortunately, whether you were buying gifts for your significant other or just yourself, Sold has you covered. We have, uh, uh, how many holiday gift guides do we do every year? Three, four last year? They're just, they're coming. Gift guides for everyone, every event. Sold is going to give it to you. What do you need to buy? How much do you want to spend? Big budgets, small budgets, kids' budgets. Check us out. Buy some merch. It's Valentine's Day for your loved one or just yourself. Thank you. Moving on, some fun upcoming things. We have a third ethos tattoo artist Japanese show going on from February 15th to March 3rd. Uh, Congratulations, Connie. We saw her last week for, which show were we there for? Two weeks ago? Oh, no, just last week for uh, Matsu. Uh, Akono, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which was very, very interesting. I uh, know Christy got to check it out also, wasn't it? One of the more interesting shows you've been to lately? It was. Uh, the work is so intricate, and uh, I like how he has a sort of uh, heavy metal vibe. I think he's in a heavy metal band, and uh, his work is just really, really dynamite. Also, we have Marcus Glitteris's deconstruction show up at the TNC Gallery, 155 First Avenue. We also have the Queen of Hearts show going on at 168 Broadway from Valentine's Day to the 24th. And we have Claudia's Coda Bar show going on in Brooklyn right now through Uh, March 14th. Through March 4th. Thank you very much. Yep. Yep. Tell us a little bit about that show. Uh, It is a part part of my collection of the work that I've been doing at the collage. And so I brought all of that together and it's on display until March 4th, Coda Brooklyn. Very nice. Thank now, you. for those uh, who need another reason to come to our website, uh, please check out our map. We have partnered with a great company out of Europe called Street Art Cities, where what they do is they'll land in a city, put up pictures and information about the murals, but give you neighborhood information, give you who took the pictures, give you historical information about that spot. And that is uh, our map that we have on our website. A lot of good stuff going on with those guys, and we're expecting some uh, nice updates from them this year. Also, our, our spring calendar is being populated. For those of you who would like to know what events are going on, not just the events that we read here, but also the events going on around the city that get submitted to us from various galleries and artists and such, check out our website. It is a standard Google Calendar format. You can download it and sync it to your phone. Never miss a party. You should always have the opportunity to get a free PBR in New York. You know what I'm saying? Sold is going to help you out with that. So I think that is the end of our up and coming. Bike Girl, are you excited? It's springtime. It's tour time. I'm more excited about the fact that we have a repeat guest 
first time ever. So here we go into the new year with one of my favorite people in the entire scene since the very beginning. Well, introduce him. You just so, laid it out. So uh, we are very happy to be inviting back into the spray room, Chris. Robots will kill. Hello, Chris. How you doing, guys? Now, we're not just talking to you, so I know you have a real big ego and you like to be like <laughs> all about talking about me and how awesome I am, but we're only talking about one specific fun project that you're involved in today. Is that cool? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll wind up hopping onto us some other topics, but, you know, sounds good to me. Ego in check. Got it. <clears throat> so today you all you are promoting the first video in a new series that you are working with your co-guest today. Why don't you introduce him? Uh, yeah, um, so uh, Kaz has been working on this project called The Black Book Diaries. He, um, well, Kaz. What's up, everybody? Yeah, Kurt, thanks for the introduction, Chris. Um, I'm the uh, CEO of Silver Tuna Studios and uh, the co-creator of Black Book Diaries, a uh, docuseries that's premiering at Angelica Theater on February 21st. We're doing a pop-up on the 19th. Uh, we picked Chris for our first episode because he's a boss and he's the people's champ. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> you know, this dude supports everybody and it's it's time he got his shine and I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to be the one to, to, bring it out, to bring it out and put it out there. So. Well, l- let's talk a little bit about the project. What What is the Black Book Diaries? What is What are we, uh, you know, what are we telling the stories of? Well, basically, you know, I don't think there's really been... Oops, sorry. That's sorry, right. man. That's all right. I'm just getting a handful. That's okay. <laughs> um, Close. So there was really nothing, you know, credible out there as far as I was concerned that was, like, covering, like, legitimate artists, like, all different types. I hadn't seen anything that was, like, cool. Everything's, like, cheese, and it had to be something that came from, I felt like somebody who had a background in it and being into graffiti since I'm a child and being in film and having worked in television for some time now, I just, I decided to leave my my union gig and, and, you know, as an engineer and, and jump on board and with one of my buddies, uh, Jeff Fisher, uh, and we, we started uh, Silver Tuna Studios and that's where we came up with all these concepts and all these shows. And, uh, but basically I wanted to do something that was, I wanted to do something that was going to, to, to like resonate with the artists more than anything. It was more important for me to have it be credible to them. Um, and I didn't want to just pick one genre and do like one type of thing. I wanted it to be real. So I, you know, I picked Chris for my first episode because he started the Robots Will Kill website in 2001. Um, and basically that was like, you know, I was, I remember being in college, uh, and going on his website and looking at, you know, graph from all over the world with his anonymous graffiti uploader and. You know, I mean, a lot of people don't know that that was like the forefront of being able to look at graffiti on social media mm-hmm. and see what people were doing in Europe. Definitely, he yeah. was the first. Yeah, I mean, there was seriously. No I mean, this before that, it was the mags. Because of that, yeah. You know, like a lot of people don't know, you know, that that these are the things that people need to know, you know, and and how long Chris has been just grinding and doesn't stop and doesn't like, oh, hey, this is this is what I did this time, you know, ten years ago. I painted at the World Trade Center, <laughs> you know, like. It's like, oh, this is what I did last week, you know, and like this is what I'm doing next week, and it's cool because so basically with the show we have we have a sick lineup. We have um, we have robots will kill my my buddy Chris right here. We have uh, episode one. We have Sev, uh, Street Evil Vandal. So we go from one extreme 
to another. You know, Sev, you know, lives in the projects. You know, Street Evil Vandal. Yeah, LES represent TDT. Uh, you know, <clears throat> and Sev was, you know, just running the streets, and he's been doing it for decades. And uh, I wanted to show that, like, that's art too, and that's where this all started. None of this would exist if it wasn't for for guys like him, you know, catching tags on walls, and and guys like JA and Cap and and all the you know Dondi and all the old school, super old school train guys, Kid Seventeen, all those cats, all the Bronx guys. Um, so then we we got we got Zimad uh, for our third episode, who's amazing, um, the, and an encyclopedia his, of I mean, knowledge. The guy is like he, he's insane. Uh, I mean he's can do anything, any medium, sculpting. Yo, hey Zimad, I got this idea. Check this out, and then he just like goes off and he comes up with all this crazy stuff. And you just look at his, you been, when you see his studio. That's the other thing about the show is you get to see these guys' studios. No one's ever going to be able to go to Chris's house and see his studio where he paints, but we bring you right into that, you know? And You even get to meet my dog. We, yeah, you get to meet Chris's dog. You get to see where Chris hangs out and where he comes home every day. So it's almost like a little episode of Cribs, but for artists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely not. As I love that, that you guys rolled in, not just, hey, this is what's coming on. You, were, you showed us some love today. You gave us tickets to the premiere, and we appreciate that at the Angelica. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. And for sold listeners, we, uh, we got a preview of both rwk and sev's videos and they're fun and i can't wait to see the whole stories oh my goodness now let's just get into the location the angelica is a seminal new york institution for the underground end of story every cool weird uh, controversial movie that comes to new york goes up at the angelica first scares the hell out of people and then maybe the movie comes to new york maybe it doesn't Maybe it's a hit, but they were uh, ahead of some of those beast movies back in the day, like Blair Witch. Remember when Blair Witch? Everybody I, knew it was real. That's where I saw it. I saw it. I saw that, it there. I saw it there. Wow. That was ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Ninety yeah. That's that type of of theater. It's 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 iconic in the village. Yeah, man. So well, I'm gonna hand you the mic back. We're we're sharing mics today. But why did you pick the Angelica, and how did that work out? Honestly, I just uh, had premiered a skate video uh, that I had made with my friends over the course of like a decade on Long Island at Levittown Lowe's like five years ago uh, called When's Your Birthday? And I wanted to do it again, but this time I wanted to do... I wanted to do it like bigger, you know. I don't. You don't ever want to be like, I'll oh, go back to the same place, do it again. Like I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do it in Manhattan. Let me see what spots there are. And I did some homework, and I was like, man, this place has got like rich history, you know. I didn't know that Blair Witch was done there. That blows my mind because that's one film that I've researched personally. I mean, sixty thousand dollars to make that film. Did you know that? Yeah. Sixty grand. They bought cameras from Circuit City. And then returned them afterwards. <laughs> no joke. Like, that is That's like gangster. street. I was like, yeah. oh, this is my story. I was like, but almost a little different, but still very similar. <laughs> like, I'm operating like super, super ghetto fabulous sometimes. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then the movie ended up grossing over $700 million, and it was the highest grossing to, to um, overhead. You know, so like. I mean, to me, that blew me away. These people made 700, 700 and some, some odd million off of a movie that cost them 60000 to make and then premiered it, to, to premiere at Angelica. Like, maybe that wouldn't have happened, you know? But that movie, super raw. Like, 
funny Cri- stories. I saw, I saw that movie yeah. there, and then actually, so I saw it on, like, I think it was the Friday night, and then that weekend I wound up going up to Vermont to do a fellowship um, for a month. And so they bring me into my room, so like where I was going to stay. So it's this tiny little room. All that was in it was a bed and a dresser and a door. So I'm looking at this door. I'm like, why is there a door in here? I open up this door, and it just leads to a staircase that just goes nope. to the basement. But this is great because there was just one light bulb hanging from like a wire just swinging back and forth. Oh. Back and forth. I look around. I'm like, well, there's no light switches anywhere. Why the hell is this light on? I just look at it, close the door, took the chair, wedged it underneath <laughs> it. So that whole month, I just that's how the room was set up. I was never opening that door. I was like, well, that was great. Good, good call <laughs> watching that movie before I went there. But the, the Angelica is an amazing place. I mean, I like I was telling Kaz about this is you know back in it was either ninety five or ninety six when when Basquiat came out the movie. My my one of my teachers had us go see it there. Like, and she was like, oh, this is what you know you're gonna go see. This movie and get an idea for artists, whatever you know. So we went and saw that there, and that was like he was like, you know, this is before everybody and anybody knew who he was, you know, because it was still, even though the movie was coming out, there was still a huge scene that had no clue who he was, you know, the, you know, and and watching that movie there was just like crazy. I was like, holy crap, this is amazing, and you know, he really inspired me at the time, and now to know, you know, twenty years later 20 plus years later it's something that I'm doing is going to premiere at that theater that you know influenced me that was just incredible like it's just bananas to me so let's uh, <clears throat> let's talk bigger picture when you get asked by cause to work on this type of thing do certain stories do certain things pop up in your head that you want to cover do you want to make sure that a certain thing is said I know you're humble and yeah 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 <laughs> but is there, is there, I mean, are you are you calculated with an agenda when it comes to a, a media opportunity like that? The furthest thing from it, actually. Um, typically, even like when I do some paintings, like I, I have, you know, possible things in my head, but there's never like a, you know, a, um, a typical, you know, guideline or anything like that. Like, for example, I had no clue what any of the questions were beforehand. Um you know, there's obviously some things that are always going to be stuck in my head that, you know, I do like to mention to talk about in certain things, you know, and, you know, whether it be, you know, inspiration, you know, other artists, um, you know, what got me started. Because, you know, those are all kind of the typical questions that are going to pop up. So you always have those loaded in your head no matter what. But as far as, like, kind of being like, all right, here's what I want. I'm going to cover this. Nah, nothing like that. You know, once Kaz asks certain questions, like, you can even see, I mean, I'm sure it's cut out of the video, but, you know, some of the stuff just takes me, like, a minute to even just think of because, you know, as soon as that word, like, those words come out of, like, the interviewer's mouth, your brain just starts going, like, all over the place. You know, you you just hop from, like, well, should I talk about this? Should I not talk about that? Should I mention this guy? Should I mention that? Like, so it's it's almost, like, dangerous because, you know, I, I, I don't typically talk about myself too much but when I do get like interviewed and stuff like that I start to get kind of comfortable and actually do appreciate what's going on you know like even like the last time I was on here you know like in the beginning I'm sure the episode was kind of like a little flat and then once we start talking I get a little bit more into it you know so that's basically what happened with the, I think what happened with the the documentary 
Did you say the first half of our first interview was flat? Yes, I did. No, no, no. He just did I, say, I didn't say that, that, didn't he? Half. I heard that I too. I've it. never I, done half a flat interview in my life, I'm, Chris. I, I'm saying me, myself. Yeah, well, oh, personal critique. Yeah, Understood. Uh, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but you, you had to... You're an artist. You draw what you want to draw. You had to give away a lot of the creative control on a project like this. Yeah. Yeah, not... Yeah, well, yes in the sense Talk about of... It. Yes in the sense of that when I get asked a question, I'm not going to have, you know, a an agenda. But at the same time, like, I do have creative, you know, input with it. Chris EP'd this, just so everybody knows. Like, I, I didn't have executive producers it was pretty much me rocked the whole thing in post uh editing you know media management down to graphics and everything and like know. yeah like you would you would hit me but, up with certain yeah, you know I would, like i would send chris screeners with burned in time code so it's like running numbers so he could be like yo cause at this number you got to throw in a clip to add, you know to to reference verse or edge or you know one of his one of his homies that he's talking about at the time you know he's like oh here use this photo or whatever so that was huge for me because also I was able to, to list everything. Like, yo, I need photos that you did when you painted at Spotify. I need photos from when you painted at World Trade 4. I need photos from when you did, you know, your first show at My Plastic Heart. To reference all this stuff he talks about, you know? Bless you. So, um, but yeah, so Chris did have, he did have control in the end. But he did, he's 100% he's correct. I don't let anyone look at the questions. Um, so far, I've shot four episodes of the six, and Sev's the only person that's seen the questions. And, right, he, he told me he needs to see them. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yo, Kaz, give me those questions. He's not like, yeah, exactly. Sure, Nobody else looks at him, but you, you think can definitely you, look at them. Do you think you get better answers that way? So uh, they're not, like, they're yeah, less because, prepared? Yeah, yeah, you kind of catch people off guard. And, and once, like Chris said, once he, once he loosened up, mm-hmm. Then it's then it's smooth sailing usually. I've I've seen you uh, work. I've seen your style of interview. It's very relaxing. Um, I you know saw you at your table, so I think you know that also lends to the environment. You know too. Oh, of course. Yeah, very laid back. Uh, Chris, very laid back guy, and uh, you know he's very efficient. You know, like you know when I ask him for stuff, it comes in my Dropbox, organized like you know by date. You know, okay, Spotify. This is the date. World Trade. This is the date. And then I got like. 100 photos to pick from you have no idea how much how much how important that is in the post process because otherwise you know for someone like sev who's more hands off you know he's just like cause just you're chasing him yeah not not even sev's great he's super on point when i'm when i need to go out and do things with him but in the post process he doesn't really want any he doesn't care about having any um control over that you know which is fine he just wants to see it before it goes up Chris, on the other hand, was was a big help. Sev, I had to do my research, go out, screen grab stuff, download stuff mm-hmm. off the internet, find pictures of his stuff, and go out and physically do everything with him, um, which was also fun. You know, going out with Sev in the streets, bombing, filming. You know, as as the director, executive producer, cam up. I mean, it was one of the best nights of my life. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it was destroying the LES. I couldn't help. I can't help it, but it was a lot of fun watching that. You know, well, it's legendary. Unreal. It's it's funny like when you, I think because I've kind of had to deal with a lot of people and, and whether it's organizing shows or organizing the website and stuff like that, I hated having to chase people. I hated having to to basically do 
somebody else's job. Herd you know, cats. Say again? Herd cats. What does that mean? Herding cats. Oh, herding cats. Oh. I was like, herd cats. I was like, wait, I didn't hear any cats. I heard a dog bark. But, um, but yeah, it's true. It's it like, is. It's because artists don't necessarily have the most organized well, brains, which makes you right. unique well, you, and in you, yourself. You just, you just yeah, did a show. You know, I get, I'm like, you know, when I say a deadline, I really would love for, to be able to say that's the deadline, and artists don't know what the word deadline no, means. No, especially in this, in this scene and genre, like, you know, Putting together a show, you know, like I usually do the show at My Plastic Heart, and typically that's 40 to 50 artists. I can guarantee that about 20 pieces aren't going to show up until a day before, the day of, maybe two or three days before. And that's, it's, I understand it because I've dealt with it for so long, and I grew up with, you know, this kind of thing, but at the same time, like you're you're doing a show, you know, and, and you just hope the artists would kind of like, respect that and you know and be like well i don't want this guy to have to you know jump through a million hoops or fit me in somewhere where it doesn't really look good right. when if he'd had and the time right. i'd be in a sweet spot right. where people would have seen my that's, art that was, i hated that like when we put together one of the shows and you know when the artists are bringing up bringing in their piece like an hour before the show opens and they've got to be put like next to the bathroom it's like what you know what the hell like i i didn't want to do that to you to be honest you know like but unfortunately that's what you did because i can't hang 49, 49 other pieces with just your piece in mind and it, you know it's it's tough i mean like you know yeah. you just did it so you yeah. know and there's always one or two yeah and thank you again <laughs> for having me in that show oh well you your piece showed up on time yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for being in the show it no, was yeah it was an honor very much an honor having your work. I think sometimes you say honor a lot when you don't realize the rest of the world is kind of like at your feet, dude. Nah, Seriously, nah, having nah. you in my show was, for me, a really huge moment. Lending credibility, you know, lending credibility automatically. You yeah. Know, like Chris oh, doesn't yeah. do anything. It doesn't attach his name to anything. He doesn't want to. Exactly. And I'm in the same boat. Like, I'd rather starve. And take a job that I don't want my name attached to, you know, like, and I've done that before. And now it's a little difficult when you're actually starving. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> then you're like, damn, man, I really got to take this gig. But, you know, and like Chris said, it, you know, all the artists are all different personalities. You know, Sev's different, different personality. You know, I, I have I have uh, Night Owl, Duel and Easy for the last three episodes of, of the Black Book Diaries. And they're all different. Every one of these guys, and then on top of that, all the other shit I have going on, like all the other concepts, everyone's personality is different. So you're dealing with people that, you know, like Chris says, like I got tired of chasing people. Everyone's different. So some people are right on point, and then some people are like the day of, you know. <laughs> like now, to, to, to Bite Girl's point, I, I, I didn't realize how much the scene respected you until Welling Court two years ago where you did that beautiful piece, and then that guy just ripped it up. Oh, when Herb put no, all no, the time in. No, no, that wasn't me. In. That was Herb. That was yeah, Venge. it was Herb, but it was still robots. Yeah. Was Venge, yeah. Well, and that, got it. Yeah. That yeah. piece. That was last year. That was this year. Yeah. That, that, that piece yeah. getting yeah. fucked up. I'd never seen outrage like that, people. Oh artists yeah. Artists were talking like it was their work. Yeah. Well, Venge did an amazing piece there, and that piece. Well, and he's also another one of those guys that come on. What has he ever done to mess with anybody? Right. I mean, you know, we. <laughs> I know, mean, seriously. And that guy, the guy who did that obviously had some kind of chemical imbalance because if you yeah, look, it was a if mental you, issue if, for yeah. sure. You, <laughs> and, and he, yeah, he's, he's basically patting himself on the back saying that it was a collaboration and it's like, wait, yeah, no. what? <laughs> you know, and then, you know, 
it, it is what it is. I mean, the piece got fixed, thankfully, you know, but, um, yeah, that was, you know, it was crazy because I woke up to like a million one messages that morning and it was like, you know, is this a collaboration? I'm like, what, what are you people talking what, about? What? You know? And I start opening up the pictures and I'm like, oh crap. You know? Cause, and I just didn't know if it was because Venge hadn't painted it a little bit, you know, and you know, he's an amazing artist, you know, but you know, he was focusing mostly on his oil painting, you know, and he wasn't really doing a lot of murals anymore. So I was like, maybe it was somebody just, you know, I don't know. And then I looked into the guy who it was, and I was just like, oh, okay, it's nothing. No. It's nothing more than. Yeah, there was no street. No and he beef. wasn't even yeah. from here. I don't think he's like from L.A. or something like that. I he think was, he was there's just some weird trying to be stupid. Yeah, some weird thing. And like, if you, you if you, if you look at his other artwork, and <sighs> and then I, I don't know if something happened with like his mother was sick or passed away. So I don't know. It was something like it was like some weird dedication to it too. And I was just like, okay. You know, and and Garrison, you know, you know, Venge reached out to Garrison, and Garrison's like, no, I did not allow that. You know, that was not anything that was sanctioned. <laughs> Garrison would never do anything like no. that. Yeah. And hello to Garrison. Looking forward to seeing you at Welling this year. Oh, he's a great, dude. Woot woot. Great. I mean, he's been so supportive over the years, and you know, from the ad hoc days over, you know, when the, the galleries on uh, Bogart, it was, you know, th- that's the one cool thing is over the years seeing all the different people meeting a, a lot of good people there's been some that aren't so great but you know this is what it is the they majority disappear. that aren't great don't last too yeah long. they disappear they 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 try to cash in and they realize that it's a waste of time and they you know they find the next trend i think the rules in business are easier to break than the rules in art <clears throat> it's easy for an artist to misstep hard and it's an obvious misstep. It's never, yeah. oh, I didn't realize this was happening. It's always something egregious or an overstep or, uh, you know, you take a risk that wasn't calculated the right way and it didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, the thing with art, I mean, it's so emotionally driven for a lot of people that even if you think you're right at the moment, you might not be right. And, you know, people jump in, they do it, and if they do step on toes, there is obviously repercussions. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that, like, I don't know, like, I know the last time we we spoke about a few things, but, you know, like, for me in the scene, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. Even in the past year, I mean, how much it's changed. I mean, you, you've guys seen, you know, how many more paid murals there are now. You know, I mean, last year when we talked, how many of those artists were actually getting paid to paint? You know, maybe they were getting, you know, funding for supplies. Now, you know, you're finding out this one got paid this one for that wall, this for that wall, and it's like... I get it, but at the same time, I think it's it's losing a lot of the the reason why people supposedly started it. Yeah, it'll you change know. it forever. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I th- the same things happen in hip hop. Oh, I mean, it's going to happen. In it any, happens in every and, art form eventually. Any underground scene, once it, it you yeah. know, from music to art, anything. I mean, once, and it should look at, look also at be seen as something that's actually not necessarily positive, but positive because if it wasn't something worth having then corporations wouldn't be so hot to be all over it right but give it so that's the hard part but but give it two years and is the corporation going to still be using the artists yeah. think about it think if you think of it this way if you look at if you look at the galleries in the 80s the early 80s everybody was so hot to you know feature these graffiti artists how long did that last they all got tired of babysitting the kids you know and they all wanted to move on to you know the abstract guy again so and it's and I'm, I you know and not to be a downer or anything like that it's going to happen in this scene. Oh yeah, it's it's just bound. I mean, you know I you know 
starting the website in 2001 and watching how, you know, graffiti was looked at and looked down upon, you know, because and that was coming off of the the late 90s when graffiti was in Sprite commercials, you know, and and then it 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 took a hit. Nobody wanted to deal with it, whether it was because New York was getting cleaned up because of Giuliani, Giuliani. or whatever. Yeah. But uh. it all, <laughs> it all, it all, every scene winds up taking a hit, and it's going to either fall apart, and the real ones will stick around, or it'll just become the cool weekend thing. You know, like, I mean, we were talking before about, like, you know, the one-night shows. I don't get it personally. I, I, I'll be honest, like, when you have a gallery or a, not even a gallery, a, a quote-unquote curator, hit you up and be like, oh, I'm having a show in two weeks. I need a piece. For me, I'm like, well, to be honest, I'm not just going to crank something out. Like, I actually like making a painting. I don't like, you know, getting in the assembly line and just popping out a robot. Like, it's just not, that's just not how I like to look at it. So I don't really understand, like, those one-night, last-minute shows. Never I, have. I think they're just parties. It's yeah, an that's excuse exactly for a party for it's, family and friends because they don't really necessarily sell art. No, no. I mean, it's, I, at it's, the end, I don't see the value of a show where at least you're not trying to sell the art. Right. I mean, that, well, that's the whole point. You know, it, that's the whole point of of an artist trying to get to the level where they can make a living off of art. You know, me, I have a nine to five. I do the art on the side. But the artists who are out there trying to make a living, you know, if you bust your ass and you try to make a painting for this show that's one night. And it doesn't sell. What does it do for you? You know, oh, you, you're in a couple Instagram photos. Cool. Um, but I think it is. It, I think it's a lot of free drinks and handshakes. You know, Big Ronnie. What, what do you think? Thank you for asking, Big Ronnie. Uh, this scene is different from the last two years alone. Mm-hmm. I can't talk about it ten or fifteen years ago. I can only speak about what I've seen. I think artists who don't normally sell are reaching today. I reaching, think it, what do you mean? Uh, I, I think it's harder for an artist to have a solo show that isn't used to selling pieces today. But, but don't you think there's a lot more solo shows getting handled to people that run for two weeks? See, from, I come from the mindset of when I was painting and, and going to art school and stuff like that, an art show was a month long. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was... You put in your work, and half those people made that work for a year, hell, even two years beforehand. Now you have solo shows that get handed to people in these a week, right? For you know, it, it, they're we used to call them boutique galleries, you know, but a lot of people call them uh, like you know pop ups and stuff like that. So these galleries pop up and do a show for two weeks, give this person a solo show, amp them up to the point where it can almost be such a ego hit because detrimental right yeah if you do a two-week show i mean not for nothing two-week show is cool that party is the first night two weeks after that are they promoting are they are they for lack of a better word pimping you out they're not you you get to a real gallery they have you know collector lists they have connections with a million one people that are actually real Deal people buying work. See, but that you, you just hit the nail on the head because ultimately art is a business, and if art doesn't sell, then you know the world is a much different, much darker, much less happy place. Period. Yeah. But you still have to sell. 
Right. I mean, well, that's, that's what it's about. Right. Isn't that what I mean? It, everybody, I, you like right. to draw, but you have you you have family and responsibilities and bills. Right. But that's what I'm saying with the, the with the, the the factor that these these quote unquote galleries pop up into a two week show. What selling are you really going to be able to do from a gallery that's not promoting you correctly? Mm-hmm. That's not doing what a gallery is supposed to do. If a gallery is taking fifty percent of your money. If they're taking a fifty cent, they better be putting you up front and making you the reason why there's people walking in the door. I'm sorry, but unfortunately, I don't think that happens with a lot of these newer things that have been happening in the past year to two years. No, they don't. You know, it, it's and it, it's a shame. And because that's part. Because, I mean, that's been happening. That's happening in galleries here in New York, and I don't see it as much in other parts of the world. To be honest, so I don't know well, if it's a New York fatigue thing or what's going on. Well, I mean, because again, if you go like out to Santa Fe, yeah. which is a large art market, if you get on the list of the galleries out there, you're getting stuff from them all the time about right. shows that are coming up, what's going on with them, and there's a few. You know, your name, older galleries here do that, right? But most of the galleries don't even maintain a good email list of their own anymore, it's, or a customer list. I. I they just want money for rent. They don't want to have to do anything right. else. They don't want to have to do any of the promotion right. or anything that used to be what a gallery was for. Right. They want they want their beer sponsor and they want they want those, you know, Instagram photos. They want this and unfortunately I and I know we've spoken about, you know, the whole importance of galleries and and I personally I still believe galleries are, are there's a reason for galleries to still exist. I know me and Kaz have talked about it and he kind of feels a little bit different. I know he feels that like Galleries, you know, take too much, and galleries don't do. Because I started as I started as an artist. Um, like I said, I've been in SWK. Uh, shout out to my buddy Pace uh, and Cease. Um, but yeah, I've been doing this since I'm a kid, and uh, people were always telling me to get away from the graffiti shit, you know. And you but but uh, see, I I know like we've you know for me what. The way I feel about galleries is galleries and artists kind of have to coexist because looking at something online can only get you a certain feeling to a point. Going to a gallery where you're isolated and you're looking at these paintings, that creates a totally different feeling than looking at... Well, I can't imagine just buying art online. Well, I mean, it's like buying a T-shirt. Well, you're obviously doing it for the wrong. I mean, when I'm yeah. doing it for the wrong, if it's investment purposes at that point, I guess I don't knock people for that either. But I am fully against these dudes getting robbed by these curators, artists. Like curators, yo, if you're a curator out there and you're working <laughs> one of these one of these shows, like for these dudes, and you're not hustling. Like hitting every person that you see, even double taking out a photo or a vi- or a, a piece of art. Like, what am I giving you twenty five percent for? And then the gallery fifty percent, and then I wait. I end up with twenty five percent of of my money. Well, Why? Fine. well, right now the the, the term curator for me the past five years mm-hmm. has become well. Such it's like wide. I mean, you can freaking curate your your toenails. I, well, everybody's a, everybody's a curator, and his and he and, and curating straight up. Sorry, growing a better term. It is going to shows and everything like that, and and going to art school, and you know, learning the term curator. A curator would go to an artist gallery, an artist studio, and handpick pieces, and say, "This is going to work. That's not going to work. This is going to work. 
That's not going to work. And this goes back to what I'm saying about these you know, shows for two weeks, one night. It's like, oh, just bring me what you got. It's like, wait, okay, so you, all right, so you want me to you know, do a doodle on a napkin and we'll just hang it and then I'll just make it something witty and be like, well, that's, that's my new napkin style. Like, you know, it's, it, it, that's what I see with a lot of the... I believe Instagram has disrupted the gallery market in such a dramatic way that it leads artists to doing crazy stuff like Wizard Skull pulled a couple of weeks ago. Oh, the 35-plus show? Have you ever seen a uh, an artist, Wizard Skull, put out a show that said um, it was called Not On My Level, and you couldn't come to the show unless you had 35,000 Instagram followers? So I could buy 35,000 followers and then show up there? I guess. That's cool. <laughs> is it? I mean, that that's something that I've never seen before. Now, whether it's good or bad, how is that? Well, it's 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 obviously a publicity stunt. I mean, there's no there's no way, uh, you know, unless you you are you know unless you're trying, unless you have that ego that's so crazy. And I think you know most people who have met Wizard Skull know that. I don't think he's that kind of crazy. I think it's more of like a possibly Andy Kaufman, Tony Clifton kind of, you know, hey, you're not getting in my show unless you have thirty five thousand followers, and if you don't, then everybody's going to talk about it. I just think that that whole thing was not handled to the ex- – I don't think it was promoted and done to the extent that it could have been done to. I think it should have been more of a, a you know, a dog and pony show, like a bigger – It should have been Time Out New York, New York Times. Right. It should have gone viral. It right. should have been like Paris Hilton right. is coming to the show. There right. are exclusive I mean, invites that. given out to everyone at this table and everyone in this world all the time. You've all been ex- invited to a party that the public is not invited to. Right. But you usually don't see a public invite for that same show. It made me feel weird, and it made me say, "What is what's behind this? Where is he going?" I'm not sure. I agree with you. I think he was serious about it. Yeah. I'm not sure it was a ruse, and I'm not sure I have an opinion on it because it happened. It was in the scene, right. whether the scene tolerated it or not. But he wasn't the first person to do this. Remember the people out in L.A. Uh, um, that had that roped off a mural, and you couldn't yeah. take a picture unless it was twenty. Th- but it, you know, it's not like he was the first person to say right. you got an Instagram requirement. Well, but, but I mean, and and that unfortunately, like my father always said, that everybody's got a gimmick, you know, and that gimmick sells. So, I think unfortunately we might be getting to the point in this you know scene that people need to really start pulling out ridiculous stunts to get attention. I mean, everybody, everybody. For example, that gallery that it was held at, it was was it a con artist gallery? No, no, lazy Susan, lazy Susan right. and they have two thousand followers or something like that. Right. So. so how does that how does that translate? You know, has it? You know, so it's like, you know, you can't you have to have thirty five thousand followers, but your it's gallery a whole, it's a very small little place, right? But at the same time, I mean, you you know, you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Know, I mean. I just think that, unfortunately, like I was saying earlier, is that I think the the scene has gotten to a point where it's just it's so over flooded, and it's so people getting handed murals, people getting handed solo shows that everybody's got to try and pull out these stunts to try and stand out. So you think this is just natural selection at this point? Oh, it absolutely, it's oh, always Darwinism. Been. No, cool. it, it has absolutely always been. not always been, been always been absolutely not. Always I'm been. sure oh, you could pick two always or three been. artists that their work does not stand on their reputation. I I I 100% agree with that. 
but it's Darwinism in the sense of what is getting accepted and what is getting called upon. So, for example, we all know that Mr. Brainwash's work is just whatever. Derivative. Right. So... He said it himself. Life yeah. is like a game of chess. Oh, yeah. I don't know right. how to play chess. Though, right. that's, that's why I brought him up as the example. I think he was huh? created as a joke, but he's not. he doesn't believe he's a joke. He really thinks he's serious. Do you think so? Yeah, because I've met him a couple of times, and he really is. You don't think he's just riding the wave? No, because I don't think he has. He's so ADHD, so... So do you think he's you, so I don't how I don't know how to put it into words other than it's really hard to nail him down for two seconds in any direction. Even when you're talking to him, he's buzzing so, off in every So do you think corner. It, do you think it's more of the sense of a <laughs> lack of better term, uh, some kind of chemical imbalance that uh, he, well, he is know, bought into yeah, it? Like a lack if you self awareness, uh, self awareness, yeah. totally. Because if you see yeah. Exit Through the Gift Shop, you know that part of the reason why he was chosen to be this <laughs> artist was because he was driving everybody insane as yeah. a movie maker. I, I never saw it. Oh my I gosh! I yeah. not watched yeah. that he, movie. He was filming oh, everyone yeah. to the point of driving them insane, like Shepard Ferrier and Banksy. Finally, because he's Space Invader's cousin, so Space Invader had already foisted him off on them when he'd driven him crazy mm. but what i but the flip side with brainwashes then he turns around and he's giving money to causes that fund young artists that help i mean he's actually giving back to the community so right. even though i may never, never want a piece of his art on my wall right but the, I, it's part of lance armstrong's hustle was donating to charities too true true <laughs> let's not forget well that, I, don't, I think brainwash doesn't have a bad yeah. bone in his body i think he's genuinely one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet he makes you feel like he makes you feel like you're a part of his world when you come up on him on the streets. He's a nice guy. He's super nice. He had a pop-up by West 14. Yeah. And, I mean, he's just – I think he's just so – I just want to say ADHD. He's eccentric. He is moving at light speed, and the rest of us aren't – aren't even at warp factor one. All right. So so going back to the reason why I I did (laughs) mention him is because what Ronnie was saying is 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 there – Artists that get credibility without the credit. Yeah. You know? And for me personally, I think he's one of them. Oh, definitely. So, listen, there's there's going to be people out there who get the push from everyone. It's the who, who knows you, whatever. My, my look at it as in the Darwinism is the fact that the true people are going to stick around. The weaker ones are going to fall off. Doesn't necessarily, you know, mean they disappear, but... Like we were saying before, you're having all these shows. Who's selling what? I mean, the it, low I, I hanging don't... fruit is gone, though, Chris. You think so? I oh. know it. No, why? but then you have the for, next for generation. The ga- no, no, no. What I mean is, for the gallery, mm-hmm. every up and coming artist that they might want to feature is probably selling more than they could sell on their own in a gallery for a show, unless it's un- uberly promoted. Mm-hmm. For the artist. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. There's, there's, there's diminished. It's the law of diminishing returns in terms of where you're showing and how you're showing. You got to build up your own brand, and Instagram is that for every single person today. Do you, do you think though? Do you think those artists are actually selling as much through Instagram that would allow a show? I think if an artist puts work for sale up on their page and says, "DM me for pricing," and this is available today, they sell. Yeah. 
You think so? I oh, know, I know no, no, some no. that they are I, selling. I'm certain of it because I worked with a couple of artists last year, and e- and every buyer that I worked with that five some five and ten thousand dollar commissions combined. Everybody I worked with last year doesn't have thirty five thousand Instagram. I followers. know a couple of people Buyers. that are selling on Etsy. So every it's, it's, a, it's about day. knowing your market. Yeah, Etsy is. Yeah, Etsy's I, become huge. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that are basically paying rent on Etsy, and they show up occasionally at. They should be shut down. Wow. Yeah, it, it's it's not the, it's not the best format. Uh, well, no, there's a lot of like co- counterfeit and like. Yeah, I, I, it, the the reason why I ask that is because I mean, I don't like when I post work. I don't sit there kind of begging for sales. Like I just you know I put the work out there. Somebody reaches out to me and asks me if it's sale or if it's in the show or whatever. That's kind of like what I run with, or if they ask me if it's a commission or whatever. That's how I look at it. Um, I guess it's kind of the same mentality as, you know, I haven't, you know, not sound like ego or anything like that, or, or but I haven't, I haven't asked to be in a show or applied to be in a show ever, you know, and I, it just always shows it kind of came to me and, and buyers came to me and stuff like that. And that's kind of like, I don't know if that's what's kind of kept me humble in the sense of, you know, I just... I don't I don't know if it's a humble brag. I don't know. Like I don't know what it is, but it's th- that's why I accept because it's like when when people put out, you know, oh, I have this for sale, I have that for sale, I have this for sale, and it's not something like a shirt, it's not something like a pin. I don't understand it because is it that you created that piece just to sell it? Is it that you created that piece because it isn't a show? And I mean, if it's if it's that you're creating it just to sell it, is it really is it really sticking to the reason why you're doing the art? Do you know what I mean? It's, I, I it's, think every artist is going to have a different answer for that. And I, I, and I don't I, think I it's agree. for you or me or anyone to determine whether that's worthy or not. Well, not but, worthy. Not, not, but not the worthy. vehicles. All I'm talking about is I, I helped an artist build a website last year and a Friday launch on the new website. He put on his Instagram, hey, 10% off. Yeah. And he crushed it that day. Now, what was he selling? Was he selling his, originals? His work. It was uh, originals? It's a, it's a stencil artist, but yes. But his work that was already currently available on his website, all we did was refresh things and let people know that it was for sale. remind people. That's it. Just remind people that it's out there. Correct. That's why you you change the window display really often at your retail store. Even if you're selling the same stuff, you move it around all the time because people will see it differently. Repackage it. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I hate grocery stores because every once in a while they do that and they move stuff all around. It's like, and you can't find it's, it like, it's like the design of a casino. How they, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. How they, they confuse or you with Ikea, the floor. Where you have to walk through the whole freaking yep. store to get to the donuts yeah. or the Swedish meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The, the Lingonberries. Yes. Back to the Black Book Diaries. I'm super excited to see this film on Thursday. Uh, I'm going to get there early. I'm going to sit in the back row, but then I'm going to move up to the front row to heckle you guys while you're talking. Then I'll move back to the back row for the film. <laughs> Most likely. So, Stella, you're going to have to hold it down. On the 21st, yep. everybody come out at the Angelica. Tickets are, tickets available at the door. Um, online, 30 bucks. Is 30 that the price? Yeah. Mail-order ticket signed by Chris, laminated. Tickets at the door. Just going to be regular ticket stubs. Um, they're still dope Black Book Diaries tickets, but they're not hand-embellished and laminated. And there's and 250 seats, but there's only about 150 left. So you can buy tickets online, www.silvertunastudios.com, and just click products, and you can grab your ticket there, 30 bucks. And we're going to do, um, 
I'm going to have at least one or two paintings that uh, whoever buys a ticket gets a raffle ticket and can win at least, you know, hopefully win, you know, a painting or two. There'll be a few raffles. Nice. Yeah, there's going to be a def- couple different raffles. Very cool. Uh, after party? Where's the after party? Well, it's my mom's birthday that night, yeah. so I'm probably going to just going to dinner that at night. At her house? I my 401k <laughs> to rent this place, so please come out and support me. I left my union gig to, to film with all my friends and make these cool videos and um, just doing what I want to do and, and, you know, trying to bring light to, to, to all these artists that need that deserve the credit and should aren't getting it. Um, so please come out and support these people. Like Chris always says, hashtag support those that support you, support those who support you, and um, hashtag I'll be dead a long time because <laughs> me and Chris don't sleep. <laughs> do, you, do you get as little sleep as Chris does? Yeah, probably. I, although I woke him up this morning. Yeah, well, I was out. I was out late last night. I went to, I did the um, the boots and brushes show over in um, Coney Island, baby. Uh, it was it was a fun event. I mean, it was uh, Mike Gallo and uh, Black and Blue Productions put it on. A um, couple of bands played, um, some artwork shown, sold some work. You know, it was kind of cool to do that because it was it was opening up, I think, eyes to art that you know might not have known it was in the scene. You know, it's a lot of like you know New York hardcore and punk guys that don't realize that it goes past the music. You know, so that was a cool thing. That was. Speaking of music, I have a special announcement for our sold listeners. Uh, this is going up today. Today's the 12th, Monday. 12th? Anyway, close enough. Next week, our special guest is going to be musician uh, Dave Navarro. And we're very excited to have him in. He uh, is wheat pasting and involved in uh, the scene these days. And we'd love to chat with him about it. And everything else, I'm pretty excited to have him in our home for the recording. And, uh, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. So, Well, I was going to say, with that th- th- with that said, I mean, I, you know, I know he we pasted at that Most Illegal. Yes, shout show. out to Sack 6. That was a very interesting show. A lot of people. The DJ was dope. No, I'm serious. It was an interesting <laughs> yeah, show. It was awesome. That was interesting. Yeah, Kaz yeah, filmed it, yeah. I, there was so many people there. It was, was throwing... It was out of control. It was jammed the whole night. It was throwing me off that the baby was the biggest piece. It was a baby. A little should be a little baby. It should have been baby sized. <laughs> yeah, but it, he's biggie. It should, yeah, and I know it was a biggie baby, but it should right. have been a baby in but, the corner. The baby was so big, and I was like, whoa, I know I had an edible today. But I think I, they um, should definitely make a biggie baby <laughs> balloon for the for Thanksgiving parade. That was NBD, wasn't it? Where the live wheat paste? Now there's there's been other shows with, with like, uh, that show kind of confuses me because of the title, the and, most illegal yeah, wheat paste fact, show, and the fact that it's trademarked. I don't, I don't. Yeah. I mean, it's I I don't want to be a, you know I don't I don't want I don't be the downer again, but I mean it's labeled as that with a trademark, and it looked like there was a ton of artists in the show. There were, and were those artists actually doing illegal? Things or did they do them in their past, and are they still up to date and current? I uh, <laughs> before I tell you what I think, I'm telling you that I'm not authorized to speak on this subject. Sack Six gave me no authorization for this. <laughs> yes, mean, man, but I believe it, it, no, no, no. It was, I think he it stipulated was, no, no, that it everyone had great, to be up. It was a great party, and it was a focus of the people that were getting up and risking their life and limb for at art one, on the street at, at one point or. 
Uh, no, currently. supposedly currently he would, did not have anyone in the show that hadn't put something up on the streets in the last month to two months. Last was month? his cutoff, yeah. So some people came and put stuff up just so they could throw something in the show, obviously. The baby so was too big. <laughs> I still think it needs to be a float for the parade. Come on, baby. Biggie float would be brilliant. Oh, wasn't that sweet? Yeah. There was, there was, I mean. What do you mean, did anybody see the turtle caps piece? He dragged everybody by the arm over to that piece <laughs> and made them put the glasses oh, on. Man, that's turtle caps. I, I, I don't know. That, that, that was, I know it's been done, but that was the first time I've seen anything like that. Like, purse, like where I got to put the glasses on and seen other people's reactions where I was like, man, that's, that's a home run, you know? Like, that's really cool. Did everybody see Erica in her gold coat shaking her booty that night? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, <laughs> yep. the DJ was playing some good stuff. The pa- yeah, house was, was packed. Good, there was some good-looking girls there. The, D- the DJ was good. There was some good-looking girls. It was, Suck it was, Lord was dancing with all of them. It was like three <laughs> degrees out that night, remember? Yes, it was cold. All right, ladies, do we have any other questions for these gentlemen before we let them go? All right, Chris, if you don't mind, before we wrap up, uh, give uh, our listeners where they can find you and the website and all the good stuff. Sure. Uh, uh, Instagram, at ChrisRWK. Um, and Twitter, pretty much all social media, at ChrisRWK. Then also at RobotsWillKill. Um, RobotsWillKill.com is actually being worked on right now because we're trying to redo the whole database because we do have thousands and thousands of pictures tremendous but, yes you know uh, you know it's it's weird with websites nowadays most people don't even go to websites anymore they just go to social media and you know and websites kind of just became a place that people go to buy things specifically so the website is kind of living through the instagram at the moment so if you want to see anything about shows events or you know artists to check out uh, at robots will kill so. very cool well this is a, a- fun end to a part two i won't make you promise to a part three but we'll uh we'll definitely be following we'll uh see you guys at the premiere and uh you know good luck thank you very much for coming in today guys oh thank you thank you for having us we are sold out with rwk and cause